Jim Kawakami, the editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area. Tim Kawakami. Tim Kawakami, who's covered the NBA for over two decades and more specifically the Golden State Warriors over the last 12 years. This is the TK Show. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here. TK Show, recording from the home studio. Speaking to a frequent guest, someone we always like having on the show, a very well-timed, not just generally, but it's well-timed generally because we were, we're going to talk after the trade deadline, but specifically, and I, ha- I have a uh, proud record of talking to Joe Lake up a lot and never getting him fined. Never. I've never gotten Joe Lake up fined, even though I ask him lots of questions. I am proud of that. I will maintain that. I will keep to that. However, there was a large story on ESPN this morning. <laughs> Joe, I'll just ask you, very. I know you can't talk about players. You can't talk about what didn't happen, but a week ago, the trade deadline, what was your mindset, management's mindset going into this moment? What, what, was there was there big things, medium things? What was your thinking going into the trade deadline? Uh, yeah, let me just respond to Mike uh, Dunleavy right now, real time on something. Uh, <laughs> real time Mike Dunleavy. Well, I had to because I asked him a question to get back to me on something, and I and he hadn't gotten, uh, hadn't, hadn't <laughs> okay. gotten back to me. This is good. This is good. Anyway, this I'm sorry. Good. And then let me start again. So what's this, what was the question on the again with my proud track record of never having get you fined? I'm going to ask this very carefully. Just what was your mindset, the team's mindset, but specifically yours as the owner of this team? Uh, by the way, we have Joe Lake on as the guest. Uh, what was your mindset going into the trade deadline last week? Well, you know, this is a, a Tim, uh, as you know, hard year uh, to develop that mindset to be quite honest because when the year started we had very high expectations for our team it actually started well I think we're what six and two mm-hmm. um, and then just things went to hell in a handbasket as you know between the suspension and I put su- suspensions <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. for Draymond and and you know Andrew Wiggins kind of having a tough time early in the year uh, you know, Clay maybe to some extent as well. So, I mean, it was just a tough beginning of the year. Things were spiraling. And I, but I always believed in this team and, and our talent. I thought we had a deep roster. In fact, our bench was all year playing very well. Um, so getting up to the trade, then I literally – I don't like to be one of these guys that thinks about things, you know, what happened last night because I always criticize those that do react to, like, everything that happened last night, like it's the whole season, mm-hmm. uh, when, in fact, you have to take a longer-term view. But in this case this year, we were kind of going right up to, you know, pretty close to the deadline, literally every game to see, are we going to get it going? Is something going to change? It would import that whatever did happen was going to impact, I think, our approach to the trade deadline. So I told Mike, you know, and and we we agreed on this, that we were, Mike and Kirk, we were going to have a lot of things going and we could go a lot of different ways. And it actually was one of the most eventful trade deadlines we've ever had, even though it doesn't look like that to the you know, to the fans. You could have gone backwards, maybe even like, could you have, you know, thought about shedding salary and saying maybe, and you could have gone status quo, which is basically what you did, or you could have gone, Hey, let's put all, you know, put all our chips in the middle. Were were those three options all on the table? Well, first of all, backwards is never an option. Not for (laughs) me, not for us. Uh, So I know that people would say it should be, but we're never, I don't think we're ever going to be sellers in a situation like this in a big way. But, you know, there were things we could have done that might have looked that way, that might have been setting us up for something better next year. There are players, you know, we could have gotten off a contract here or there that would have created 
even more flexibility this summer, let's say. And we already have some good flexibility. So, uh, it, you know, there are things that we could have done. And uh, I wouldn't call that backwards. I would call that setting it up for the next move. Um, but as it turned out, you know, we evaluated those kinds of opportunities. We evaluated more aggressive opportunities. Um, and at the end of the day, nothing, as Mike said, I think he said it perfectly um, in his press conference, uh, which was, Nothing was a good enough deal that would make us a better team without giving up too much um, that we felt comfortable with. And combine that with the fact that I think the team has found something. I think our coaching staff has found something. I think our team has found something. I'm extremely high on what I've seen and what we all should be over the last, what, you know, 11 games or so, 12 games. You know, when Draymond came back, he's changed everything. Uh, the lineup with Draymond and uh, at center, and uh, Andrew, and uh, and the ascension, of course, of, uh, of J.K., along with Steph and Clay, or Steph and Pods, you know, both lineups, actually, um, looks great. We're top 10 in offense, top 10 in defense. And uh, I was at the Utah game the other night. Honestly, that's, that was one a really solid game for us. Yeah. Um, we we kind of pounded them. And uh, I felt really good about it. Actually, we're favored tonight. We'll see. But I just think we're we're a whole I'm it's hard to imagine. The NBA changes all the time. I tell this to people, they don't believe me, but I say, you it's amazing how much it can change in the middle of the year. Things get better, players get better, some players get worse, they age all of a sudden. Um, sometimes things click in a coaching strategy, and that's what's happened this year. Our strategy of who we're putting on the floor for a variety of reasons uh, has changed. And we're playing Draymond at center, you know, starting him full time, and it's it's a damn good lineup, and we're pretty fast and great ball movement, and we're scoring, and we're playing better defense. And I mean, so it impacted the trade deadline, Tim, to answer your – that's a long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> well, just to, not to belabor this, but there was the report this morning, and I will not say the player's name. And I'll keep you away from getting fined. But was there a, a, a urgency? To, did you feel like we could make one gigantic move and change everything? We always – you know me, and our fans, I hope you know me and us – not just me. Our, we have a culture that is very aggressive. We're always going to try to be aggressive. We're going to try to big, put the best team on the court. And if it costs a lot of money, it's going to cost a lot of money. We're willing to invest. And you, everyone knows that. We do those things at hopefully the right time, not the wrong time. And we're going to look at everything. When we acquired a, Kevin Durant many years ago, uh, you know, that was an incredibly aggressive move that we made where we, I think half our roster went away in order to accomplish it. We felt it was, even though we had a really good team, we felt we could be better, and we did. We went to three finals, should have won all three. We did win two. Um, and so there are these inflection points, these times when sometimes players might, or might be available, and even if it's not something you maybe had considered, you, you need to consider it. So my answer to your question is I'm always looking. We're always looking at everything, and I tell Mike and Kirk, and also, we, we, you, nothing is off the table, nothing. So we look at everything, and if, it, if the deal's right, the timing's right, and we have consensus generally inside, then, you know, we got to consider these things. So uh, as far as the reports, I saw the reports this morning. Uh, makes for an interesting day of news, I guess, in the NBA. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about any specific players or anything. I'm just going to tell you that, you know, we're aggressive and we're, we're looking at things all the time. Thinking about the big picture, you are sitting, you know, I guess over $400 million payroll commitment this season. And people wonder, you know, this is a commitment for a championship team, for a dynastic team. 
is this money worth spending if this team is not getting deep in the playoffs? Uh, has there been consideration of and, and not moving backwards? I understand what you're saying, but retooling this salary commitment to maybe yeah. be more reasonable going into the future. Yeah, uh, Tim, I think we honestly we're ahead of what you're asking. I mean, <clears throat> our strategy, our plan, you know, we have expiring contracts this summer. We have a lot of flexibility as a result. Um, and that was pretty important given the changes in the CBA. You really can't have this kind of payroll in the future without being you know, severely impacted in terms of things you can do, as you know, uh, and our fans know, and the second apron, you've all heard the words. It's all really true, and it does impact us. So we're already in, in really good position for that this summer. We'll make decisions um, based you know, on how we're doing and so on. But honestly, we had opportunity during this trade line. I don't think it's too much to say that we had a deal that would have saved us literally net-net uh, $80 million this, this year, not even next year. Uh, that's a pretty big thing not to do, I guess, if you're motivated by financials and financials, I guess, you know, in, in all honesty, as you said, in the face of, uh, you know, performing below expectations, which we have up to this point this year, um, no one with a $400 million payroll wants to be a 500 team. And I certainly don't. But there are reasons for things and things do change. And so this is a this was a tough trade deadline. We had to make some pretty big decisions for the short term and take some gambles, and 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 we also had to maintain our flexibility going forward. Uh, given that, I mean, can you say you were going to be out of the second apron going into the off? You know, going into next season, you will not be. In the second uh, I'll apron. go beyond that. I'll tell you that our our you know one plan one or one A is actually we'd like to be out of the tax, mm. uh, and we think we have a way to do that. Um, that, that kind of is the plan, not, not just under the second apron. And that's, I'll tell you why that's important. Because the truth is that we need to be out of the tax two years out of the next four in order, or you know, below the tax line in order to get this repeater thing off our books. We don't want to be a repeater. It's, it's, just, it's just so prohibitive. Um, not to say we wouldn't do it, you know, if we had to, but it, you've got to look at what the downside is to doing that. So that's the plan is to try to do that. And we think we can keep our team together and, and retain even the players that are, we might be able to bring players back at different numbers and so on. So that's kind of plan A, but there's a plan 1B, I guess, or probably 1A. And 1B is, you know, we could, we could go even further uh, than that. And, and we could make big changes if we had to, if this team, you know, were to go slide all the way down here and not do well at the end of the year, you know, there's going to be big changes. But if, yep, yep. But, it, you know, if we do really well, we might decide to go the other way. So everything's open. We have to be flexible. I can just tell you that the goal is to not be a lottery team ever. The goal is to be competitive. The goal is to win. And ideally, if it's possible, to win championships or compete for championships. Do you think this roster can compete for a championship in this season or next season? I do. I'm actually very positive, probably more positive than – the fans might, some fans might be, or the media. And look, I get it. We haven't, we haven't really overall played all that well this year. I think Steve would tell you that, and our players would tell you that, and Mike would tell you that. But I still think maybe I'm delusional <laughs> a little bit, but I believe in this, this roster and these players and our coaching staff, and I really believe that uh, we can make a big run here. And we, it just turns out that, you know, right before the trade deadline, magically that's happening. Because of a couple of things that happened. I mean, Draymond's suspension 
as he said in the press conference in his comments the other day, ironically, may have long-term made us better uh, in an odd sort of way because JK got to get the leash taken off and play and he's been fantastic. He's just been tremendous. He is a monster. Uh, if he continues to play like this, which I think he will and get better at 21 years old, his future is, is unlimited. You add that to Andrew Wiggins, you know, being unlocked with this new lineup and, and we knew we wouldn't, I didn't think he would stay playing like that. Um, you know, and our two rookies have been tremendous. You know, I mean, I really got to give our credit to our, our, all of our scouts and our Mike and Kirk and all those guys and Kenton. We, we nailed it in this draft. I mean, we did really well. I think Brandon Pruszynski in particular, honestly, is a uh, all-rookie team, top five guy in the league. I don't think there's any question about that at this point. And he has got a chance to be an all-star kind of level player at some point. He's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. He does things at 20 years old that – are just remarkable. He's setting records, frankly, for various things you've seen that haven't happened in 40 years in the NBA. So, look, without getting overly effusive, uh, or, you know, me, I, I tend to do that, but <laughs> I, I just think this guy is tremendous. I think um, Trace, you know, once he gets the real opportunity to play, he's got to learn, too, you know, uh, under the other guys. It takes a while. But he, when he's been in there, he's like the other night, he showed great. He's got – he's a great fit for this team. So we did really well in the draft, too. And frankly, our role players are some of our guys, Kerry Payton, and when, when they're in there, they're really contributing. So I am very positive about this team. I think we have a unique style of play with this new lineup. Yeah, you could say we're, we don't have the size, but you know what? How many of these lumbering bigs are going to be able to stay on the court with the speed that we can generate? Uh, so, I, and well, by the way, everyone says about the size. We, I think, I, I don't know what our ranking is for rebounding this league. It's pretty high. Uh, and secondly, point paints. I think we're number one. In, we're number one in the NBA, if I recall. You're way up paints. there. Yeah, way up. Way there. up there. Yeah. So yeah. you know, things aren't always what they appear. And um, you, know, you say we're not that big, but they've got to contend with what we have too. I love this lineup. Uh, what's it been like watching Kaminga's development? I know there's been some impatience from fans and maybe some other people about getting him out there. Just get him out there. He can do this. Uh, or do you just feel like it was time for him, you know, he had – now he's got the experience and now he's got the feel for it and this is the right time for him to get these minutes? Well, there's two ways to look at this. I think it's, a, Tim, a, a very good question. Uh, and I know there's been a lot of concerns. Why wasn't J.K. playing more? You know, did our coaching staff, you know, hold him back? Look, we can, we can debate all that. Uh, but the truth is that if you take the bigger picture, look at it, he is 21 years old. He did not play college basketball. And year three, historically, is the year when players kind of take off or don't. I mean, it could be before or after. Very rarely in the rookie year can a rookie make an impact, especially on a good team. You can put up numbers on where you're getting tons and tons of minutes on, on a bad team. And, you know, all right, you can score. You can put up stats. doesn't mean you know how to win. doesn't mean you're a winning player. I think J.K. has has had a tough go of it. Steve has been tough on him. But maybe at the end of the day, he winds up being a much better player. And maybe Steve, you know, in the long term, looks smart, right? I mean, that's a possibility. It certainly could be. Um, So I think it's year three. I think he's taken off. You know, we needed him, it turned out. Uh, The opportunity just happened to be right there. And he has fully jumped through that window and taken advantage of it. And I just love this guy. Uh, a little two timelines. <laughs> I know you don't love that phrase well, here, but I, 
I, I imagine this is sort of what you thought about. Look, I deny the two timelines thing that I ever, you know, really said it or whatever. But I did say something like it, which people are correct in saying, which is, I don't believe that a team that is all guys that are 33, 34, 35 years old, an old team, wins NBA championships. All old does not win. All young does not win. Tell me a case where a bunch of 20 to 23-year-olds wins an NBA championship. It just, it's just not possible. I don't know that there's even one example. So the truth is you need a mixture, I believe. I've been around the NBA. I've been watching since the 60s. You know, I grew up in the Celtics, the Lakers. You know my history. I've watched all kinds of it. I'm a student of the game. Um, and I listen to people, you know, too, a lot. And the truth is you have to have a mix. You have to be developing young players while you've got some of the guys who are veterans who are playing really well. Obviously, you need – you can't have all – it's a tel- delicate balance. And we've had a hard time getting that balance. Last year, we struggled with it because the young guys weren't quite ready. And we can decide what other reasons there are. But this year is a whole different thing. Our bench is our strength. Our young guys are our, one of our strengths, uh, the rookies in particular, and the guys like, you know, like JK, who have been here now three years. So I think it's a mix. And it's very hard to walk that line, be exactly where you need to be. But I, I don't know. I got a feeling that call it two timelines, call it whatever you want. Uh, I think the mix is really good here. And some of the veterans, I give a lot of credit to Draymond, who has adopted JK to some extent as an example. In fact, last summer when I had discussions with him, one of the things I said to him was, I need one big thing from you. I, need, I really need you to help JK become a great player because you're not going to be here forever. And, and he has done that, I think, in a lot of ways. And he helps a lot of other players on the court as well. So Steph, you know, in his own way, good mentor. So these guys are stepping up to, to mentoring, and I think it's helping us. You mentioned Draymond. Obviously, you mentioned the suspensions. And Draymond has mentioned that he had a discussion with you when you gave him the contract. Uh, it was a pretty healthy commitment. Uh, and that you told him or he admitted to you that he, when he got suspended that he'd let you down, that you would ask him not to, you know, to, to make sure you can stay out there, and he did not uh, with the suspension, exceedingly did not with the second suspension. Uh, what were your emotions through that whole process of watching Draymond, you know, he would call them antics or whatever. We've seen him striking other players or getting Rudy Gobert in a headlock. How disappointed were you in Draymond? You know, that story got reported, actually, it's from his podcast, I think, where he yep. told that story. Yep. I was really surprised he told it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mostly accurate. The one thing that was inaccurate was uh, I, that was not a telephone conversation. That was an in-person, three-hour, at-my-house, last summer discussion when we spoke about that. said, you need to really, you need to fix this, the things you do. Not do that anymore. You need to walk the line. You need to be a leader. I did all say all that. You need to not let me down. We're saying you're a big contract here. So that is all true. And yes, he, he did let me down. He'd let a lot of people down. He knows that. Um, one thing I love about Draymond, though, man, he just tells you as it, like it is. I can't believe he came out and said that. And he also, by the way, I called him during – this is true. I called him during the uh, – after it happened, second, you know, the, the incident that caused the second suspension, and he did not return my calls, and I was really mad at him. That is true. But I never – I never really followed up. I just said, all right, let's let this guy cool down. And uh, after uh, recently when he said, told that story, I went up to him and I said, you know, you're right. <laughs> I was really mad at you. Mm-hmm. And especially mad at you because of what you did, but also mad at you because you did not return my call, yeah. which I thought was pretty outrageous. Uh, but 
I, under, you know, look, we laughed about it. I love Draymond Green. I'm just going to tell you right now. I, I, I know he's done a number of things, which the fans, certainly people around the league, the league certainly, <laughs> uh, you know, have appropriate reason to be mad at him, uh, to be disappointed. He knows that too. But, you know, at the end of the day, He's like, a, he's like the brother from another mother to me. I, I, just, I, I just love him. I've always felt that way. I want him, you know, he will retire as a warrior, obviously, with his contract. He's just, you know, he's, he's our guy. And some people may not like, he may be a bad guy sometimes, but he's our bad guy. And, and, you know, he's a tremendous winner. He impacts the game in so many ways. He's, and he's a basketball savant. He's a genius. Uh, can't control himself sometimes. Hopefully he will the rest of the year. But, and he knows that. But I love the guy, and despite all that, I'm, I stand behind him, period. Yeah. Many, you know, not only had these incidents, he punched a teammate uh, last season, and we can talk about how important that was to what happened. At any point, Joe, have you thought, like, we just – I mean, it's a hard question because he's, he's somebody you love, I know. But was there a thought, like, maybe we don't need Draymond Green on this team anymore? Look, we consider everything, and I'm not going to say it didn't cross our minds to – ship them out or something, uh, but not really. Uh, the truth is we all understand how important he is to winning. We understand how important he is in terms of his relationship and how he plays with Steph, uh, you know, who is fantastic and, and at the age of 35 going to be 36, just playing at a remarkable level. And they, look, they just work together. It's just something we have to ride uh, until it cannot be ridden anymore. So honestly, they thought about it for a nanosecond, but no real consideration to to moving Draymond. Yeah, you bring up, then I've written about that, like the dynastic guys, Steph, Clay, and Draymond are the guys that have created this uh, and are playing well enough. Certainly, like game seven against Sacramento proved a lot of things. Uh, is there a commitment, like, or has a decision made? Like, we're, I know things can change, but like, these are guys that you want to go as long as you can with because they've earned it. Absolutely. And we haven't talked about Clay. Maybe yep. you were going to address that separately. I don't know. But yep. I'm just going to tell you, Clay Thompson is another one. I mean, I, I, honestly, I, I love him like a son is the way I feel with him. I have a great relationship with him. I, I feel I do. Um, he's had a really tough time. You know, he's had some severe injuries. He played really well coming back from that uh, until the playoffs last year. Obviously, it wasn't his shining in a brightest moment. And he's had an up and down year this year. He's Clay's had some great games, like last in the Utah game, really excellent, leading scorer for us, played great. And then he's had some not-so-great games, and I'm sure it really bothers him. Um, but at the end of the day, I believe in Clay. I think he's a very impactful player, and I think he's going to come through for us in the clutch if we make another run here. And I stand behind Clay Thompson, too. I know his contract's expiring. Everyone's going to you know, point to that, why didn't we up him again or whatever. That's just an agent thing. That's a you know, that's a flexibility of the team thing. That's a, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, not even entirely my decisions, but I think Clay, uh, you know, look, I'd like to have him retire as a warrior is the bottom line. I really, I believe in him. I want him here. We want him here. And, and I want to do everything I can to make him, you know, feel confident that we feel that way because we do. And I know that sometimes you, when you're an athlete, you know, it's hard. Clay Thompson hardly ever loses confidence, but everybody loses confidence at some point in life. You know, if the shots aren't going down or the putts aren't going in, Tim, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I just think, I just think we, he, needs, he needs to know that, you know, I and we stand behind him and 
we're there 100 percent we're all together now going to go do this make this run and i think we're a dangerous team no matter where we wind up in the playoff run and i think all three of those guys are going to help contribute to however far we get which i think can be a lot further than people think there was a very credible report that there were talks, you know, in the offseason and you guys offered a shorter term deal than he wanted. Is that accurate? And, and like, is there some point and listen, Draymond took less than the market value, probably uh, Wiggins took less than the market value, probably is Clay going to have to understand there's a realistic number for him uh, in your mind. And, you know, do you foresee that being an issue going into the summer? You know, I think we'll talk about it at the end of the year at this point. I mean, we're too busy all doing what we're doing. Uh, I think it's true. We did try to get something done with him and, you know, we couldn't come to an agreement. Hey, it's business. He has to walk out, watch out for himself. His agent has to look out for himself and we have to look out a little bit for the team, but always understanding that we're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to be very fair. And I, I think that, you know, we'll look at where we stand in this in the summer and we'll try to do something fair and to try to keep Clay Thompson because that's the goal. To get under the luxury tax, though, like there's some numbers that have to go away. Uh, Clay Thompson's number cannot be 40, you know, 42. Chris Paul's contract is not guaranteed. I mean, are these guys to return? You have to take much lower numbers than we're seeing right now. Well, I'll let you do the math on all that, but that's assuming everything's the same as it is. I mean, things could change depending on how we do this year. You know, maybe we make some other changes that impact that. It's already a lot. We need that flexibility the summer because clearly we're not at least to this point we're not the team that won the championship in 22 we're not the team that was before that so unless we prove that and the pressure's on all of us to do that the players the coaches off us so uh let's see where it goes let's make decisions when we have to make decisions and let's you know if there's something that should be done where somebody should get more money than we have or somebody gets less you know we'll figure out how to make those things work I don't think it's like you can look at everything and say everything's slotted and it couldn't change. It can change. So I'm not really going to say one thing one way or the other about, you know, what we can or cannot offer Clay because I don't know that until the summer. There's one more pending free agent I think you know I'm going to ask about. Uh, is Steve Kerr's situation similar? You've you, you got to see how, how it turns out, or is he somebody you're just determined is going to be back coaching this team in the future? Look, Steve Kerr's been with us for 10 years. I love another thing about our business, continuity. You want to win? It's very hard to win. Look at all those teams that kept getting a new big three every year. Didn't win, even though the talent was incredible. Continuity matters. Now, obviously, if things go downhill with certain players, the age, whatever, you can't maybe have exactly the same continuity. Um, you have to be aggressive but and adapt. But continuity is important. And so Steve has been here 10 years. He's one of the greatest coaches ever to coach in the NBA. Um, I think we will work out a deal with him. Uh, he's a very fair human being. And I think we are very, we've never underpaid people. I mean, we always pay people well. We're fair. We have to do what's good overall for business, obviously. But um, it's like with Bob last year, we offered, I offered a lot of money to Bob Myers. I mean, a really massive contract. And it wasn't about the money. When you asked him these same questions a year ago, it was about Bob. Uh, making, doing what he wants, deciding what he wanted to do, I think more than anything. And, you know, we have to allow him. Yes, that's his opportunity, his decision to make. Steve also has to decide what he wants to do. I think he does want to re stay coaching the team in the, in the future. And we want him here to be very clear. Uh, we think he's a great coach. I'm particularly impressed with 
everyone criticizes Steve for the player development. You know, it doesn't let players develop. And this and that isn't like the young guys. And, you know, maybe there's some truth to that in the past. But you can't say that this year. You know, for whatever reasons, we've got a whole bunch of young talent that is performing very well. We've got a bench that is performing very well. Steve gets credit for that. You know, you get credit for when you don't do it. You get credit for when you do do it, right? Let's be fair. <laughs> so uh, I think we'll have a contract done with Steve pretty soon. Uh, if, you know, again, he's, been, he's, he's in Serbia right now. or just got back from Serbia. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. been very busy. He's coaching this team, and, it, and we've had issues, and he's had to focus on that. I, I, we all get that. But I wouldn't – he's a very honorable man, uh, and I respect him greatly. And, you know, we're, we try to do the same, and we're going to try to get something done that he will be very happy with and that we can uh, be happy with as well. So I wouldn't worry too much about it, guys. I don't think anyone else is going to have Steve Kerr as their coach. So. It, have there been negotiations like in the last few months? No, we have not really negotiated much. Uh, we did prior to that. And, you know, it's kind of been sitting for a little while because, frankly, we've all been really busy dealing with a lot of issues. Everything from suspensions, as you saw, to not playing well. I mean, some really significant issues uh, that we had to deal Tragedy. with. Yeah, tragedy. tragedy. Right? I, I mean, forgot about that. So, I mean, yeah, it's been an unbelievable two months. So, to say we're negotiating over the last two months, I'm not going to lie to you. We're, it's not really been the priority for anybody. All right. Well, quick transition. Uh, no one w will forgive me if I don't ask you about John Fisher's A's. I know it's another guy's team that they're not for sale, but the Las Vegas thing, as I've written, does not look like it's progressing. We'll see. We'll see. But, Joe, if this thing is is backed up and delayed and there's a problem there it might come to a point where he has to sell this team or wants to uh would you call him have you called him have you checked in on whether the a's are available and would you be interested in buying them i have not checked in uh recently uh, you know it's his team uh if if he decides he wants to sell my he knows who to call that's all i'll say uh that we might be interested obviously we've said we're interested in the past but i don't think he's doing that i think he's very committed to uh to continuing to own the franchise um, looks like he's committed to Las Vegas. I don't really know the details of that. I've read the same stories you've read, but I mean, I, I just can't really, I've got my own issues. <laughs> so uh, with the, you know, we're trying to win a championship this year or we're very involved in all things we've been discussing. So uh, could we do a good job if we were owned a baseball team? I think we would as an organization, we have a lot of bench strength and management. I think the businesses, baseball and basketball, are very similar in terms of local revenue generation being the key thing to do, unlike the NFL, which is more centralized revenue generation, let's say. So I think, you know, we, we're always there, but I'm not calling anybody. It's his team. I respect. I want to stay out of the way. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge if, if it, it or another team ever becomes available. Does the Howard Terminal site interest you? No, I have an arena in San Francisco. Hmm. <laughs> For a baseball team, though. For a baseball team. Uh, well, the, the mayor, the mayor of Oakland has said that there are interested parties in the Howard Terminal, but also in, Colise in the Coliseum. You know, and again, it's yeah, not I haven't, a team to sell. I haven't even. Yeah. I, have no, I'm not, I have no answer for that. I, 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 don't, I don't think. I'm not even thinking about it. So. <laughs> All right, Joe. I uh, had to ask you that one, and I totally understand. I know you did, it, and I had to answer yeah, it. <laughs> People are asking me, you got to talk to Joe Lincoln about the A's. Go, yeah, I know. I think I know what the answer is going to be. The A's are not for sale. Uh, but, however, uh, we will end this uh, with a question I've asked you many times, and I've asked 
uh, everybody at the end of my shows. Uh, Joe Lacob, version of this. Joe Lacob, what's your favorite restaurant right now? Well, I'm going to give you a funny answer today a little bit. By the way, I really, I'm not a guy that goes out to eat a lot. So, um, you know, we are, I do love this uh, Fico. Okay. Uh, it's in the city. And as you know, they opened up down on the peninsula where I live recently. And I've been there and I really like it. And this is a little pitch, obviously. Fico will be opening up very soon, next month or so, uh, at Chase Center, right outside wow. uh, mm -hmm. on TFB. So that's very exciting. And I, I, I think uh, those of you who've been there, great place. I'll give a pitch to one other place, though, today, which I have no financial interest in, and that's <laughs> donuts. That's a cinnamon roll. Uh, and, yes, you say, Joe Lake, do you eat those? Yes, I do. Uh, Chuck's Donuts in Redwood City, one of the best donut places ever, anywhere, underrated. I mean, I go to places in the cities, and I say, oh, this, this place is a great donut place. you got to go here in L.A. I could name the place, but uh, or Portland, this group who do donuts. And, all this. and you know what? Chuck's Donuts. Right here, Redwood City. It's fantastic. Old school. Great. Is that the one right off the 101 there? It's between 101 and 280 yep. on Woodside Road. Okay, there you go. Now on my stomach just went, okay, I want some of that. Uh, excellent, Joe. I think we hit all the topics. Uh, very open. We can't speak about the, the big report directly, but I'm glad uh, we – we talked about the trade deadline. We talked about where you are. Very interesting time. We always talk at interesting times, Joe. We can't avoid it. When we, I don't we know how we're you talk these times, but every time you <laughs> seem to get me right when I really can't talk about something. <laughs> I don't know. It's luck, good fortune. I don't know, but it just happens every time. Like, uh, we can't quite talk about that specifically, but it happens. Uh, and I think you dressed it as well as you could. Joe, as always, thank you very much. Hey, thank you very much, uh, Tim, again. And, uh, I just want to encourage our fans, last words here, uh, get behind this team because something special, this is just my opinion, something special is brewing here right now. And uh, I think we, uh, I think it's going to be really exciting here going forward the next two months. All right, everybody. Thank you, Joe. That is the show for today, everybody. Thank you.